Look at your neighbor and say, don't love money. Today's message is the love of money is the root to all sorts of evil. What a unique message to preach on a day like this. You can ask the Lord why he put that in my heart, but that's what he put in my heart. To preach a message that would challenge you to not love money. I think that today in our culture, we've gotten so out of hand with finances and money that we think when the pastor talks about it, that there's something wrong with him. Now granted, there has been abuse in the church, and people have lost the reputation of integrity, so yes, it's hard to trust every pastor or man of God. But putting that aside, do you know that the Bible speaks a lot about money? Do you know that the Bible says a lot about money and your heart? And you might be looking at me right now going, man, I don't have any money to love. So I should have stayed home today because I don't got no money. And if I had it, I wouldn't love it because I just don't have any or something like that. But listen to me. You may not have money, but you still may love money. You may be daydreaming about what you can do when you get money. How many have ever daydreamed about winning the lottery? Nothing wrong with it, but sometimes it can get a little out of hand. I want to balance your heart today with what the purpose of money is and how not to love it, but to love God. If you're with me in Matthew 6, can you say I'm there? Amen. Look at Matthew 6, verse 19. Here is how God describes money. Jesus himself. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Everybody say treasures. You see right here, the problem is not with having treasures. The problem is where is your treasure? So if I said to you right now, where's your treasure? First of all, you should point to your husband or wife or your children. Amen? Or just point to your pastor. Oh, it's my treasure right there. Okay? But if the first thing that comes to your heart is you want to like grab something like your house or your car and go, yeah, that's my treasure. Your heart's in the wrong place. Because right here, moth and rust can destroy this. The elements of this world can destroy wood, can destroy brick. Just like they saw when they were in New Orleans, the hurricane knew no difference between uptown, downtown, and out of town. I mean, that's funny, but it's kind of true because you were uptown and you were rich. Didn't know no difference. Downtown, poor, didn't know no difference. And if you were out of town staying in a hotel, it didn't know no difference. And it destroyed it all that quick. See, the Bible gives us the understanding of treasure as being a good thing, but it tells us where is the treasure can be a bad thing. Because if you put your treasure on this earth, say, my car, my Lexus, my job, the car I want to have is my treasure, then there's your heart. And when it's destroyed by the fire of judgment, guess what happens to your heart? It's destroyed. You can perish. You might say, Pastor, that's an awful lot to say. Well, keep reading. Go to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't serve money. Say, you can't love no money. 
and go to heaven? Come on, see, the Bible says if you love money, you will hate God. You know, some people come to me all the time and they say, Pastor, how can you judge me? How can you say this? I don't judge you. Jesus judges you. You, you, you might think to yourself, well, well, Joe, how would you know what Jesus says? Here's one good example. If you don't like to tithe and give offering, you love money, you don't love God. It's tight, but it's right. If you look at the end of the year and you say, well, I gave this much to rent, I gave this much to movies, this much to family vacation, I gave this much to my children, and then you just look at $20 on your giving report, there is a problem. Hello? you got to understand God put it that way. I didn't. And of all the things to put there, He could have said, you can't love God, anibaritos. That might have been tough, right? He could have put a lot of things there. But he said, money. Why? Because money controls the heart. You see, money is a treasure. No doubt about that. But what we do with it is all determined here in the heart. Do you know that majority, over 60% of people who win the lottery become bankrupt years later? Do you know that there's a study done on that to try to find out the psychological problems people have with money? Because everybody says, if I just had a little bit more, life would be good, right? We all know that number. Some of you say, man, if I had $500 more a month, oh, I could do it. Some of us, it's a 1000 Some just say, if I just had 20 extra dollars a week, I could make it. But how many know that will not make you happy? And if you don't know how to budget what you have now, you won't budget it then. Think about it. We're always expanding our comfortable, you know, living, our way of living, and we're expanding it beyond what we make. That's why the average household's in debt $5,000. Because we say, you know what? When we're single, if I can just rent an apartment with my friend, I'll be good. And then you get that apartment with your friend. And you're like, but you know, I also need a car. So now you have a rent payment and a car payment. And then you say, you know what? I'm, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. And then a year later, you say, you know what? I don't want to rent an apartment. I want to rent a house. And then so you stretch your income. And instead of living within your means, you're always living out of your means. And all of us can be challenged today to live in our means. My dad teaches people how to keep a budget. And Ish and other people here, and especially David, because he also does that for a living, can help you understand budgeting your money. They say that they take 10% out for taxes. 10% then belongs to God. So right off the bat, whatever they tell you you're going to make a year, just take off 20%. You only got 80% really in your hands. Then off that 80%, you need to find a percentage that's going to go to your household income, I mean to your household and to your mortgage. They say no more than 40% should go to your mortgage and that the rest should be dispersed among other places. But most of us, what do we do? We get something that's so expensive, it's like 60-70% of our mortgage. And we become really close to bankruptcy or getting in debt and getting in trouble. And as much as I would like to talk about budgeting and even have it taught to myself, that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is when you get those greenbacks, those dineros, those Benjamin Franklins in your hand, what does your heart say? That's what I want to talk about. Is that your treasure? Do you immediately say, Whoo, look what I got. I can get a new pair of shoes. I can get some new clothes. Or do you say, God, this is yours. What do you want me to do with it? Because where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Go with me to First Timothy. I won't preach any longer than an hour and 45 minutes, two hours today. So we're going to make it quick, okay? We're going to make it quick. Praise God. First Timothy 
Chapter 6, thank you. Verse 3. Because today I'm also talking about money with our financiers. Our finances. They do finance the ministry too. But our financial uh, elders here, it's wonderful. So you know I'm accountable. Brother Anthony keeps me accountable what I do with them. So everything's wonderful. Look at verse 3. If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree to sound doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is, he is conceited and understands nothing. Don't you love the way Paul talked about troublemakers? You're conceited and you understand nothing. All right. Move on to the next subject. That's it. You argue with the pastor, you are conceited, and you understand nothing. Help us out, Lord. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that revolt, uh, result in envy, strife, and malicious talk, evil suspicion, and constant friction between men of corrupt minds who have been robbed of the truth, here we go, and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Now hold on here before you get all upset with Peter... Whatever that guy's name, the guy who's selling holy water, forget his name. I forget pauper or something like that. I just lost right there. <laughs> Went gone. Before you get all upset with preachers who will sell you a bottle of holy water for five ninety nine plus shipping and handling, and then you put it on your couch and you put it on yourself, and then you become a millionaire, you get healed. How many of you ever seen those commercials? They're like auctioneers are crazy. Okay, before you get upset and say yes to these people, because watch, they're argumentative, they're conceited and understand nothing, and what do they do? They make godliness a means of financial gain. Before you get upset with them, check yourself right now. Because have you ever said this? If I asked you the question, why do you love the Lord? Because He blesses me. Why do you love the Lord? Because He blessed me with a new house. Because He blessed me with this car. Oh, whoa, thank you. You ever, thank you. You ever hear people talk about their blessings? And the blessings are all what? Material things. Let me ask you a question. Would you serve God if He didn't give you one more dollar? Would you serve God if not only would it not give you any money, but it would take all your money away. Let me give you an example. Serving God in a persecuted nation means you lose your job. Serving God right now in Sudan, men get their arms cut off. Try farming with no arms. Right now. People in China, if they're found out, they can lose any occupation they have. See, would you love God even if you got not one dollar or cent out of it? You see, all of us sit here today, and we're all appreciative of what God has given us, and that is true. But are you doing it for the financial gain? There are some churches and people that teach that unless you are getting financial gain, that you're really not serving the Lord. And I want to tell you just the opposite. You're really serving the Lord when you don't get any financial gain. When you don't do it for any financial gain, whether God would ever give you another raise, you still serve the Lord. And even to the point if God costs you a job, even if God costs you more than you ever thought you would pay. There were people that sold everything and became missionaries. And it wasn't like, oh, we feel sorry for them. They went and lived on African plains and got rid of their mansions. No, they said, I will give it up a hundred times over. I feel sorry for those who still hold on to it, they would say. The Chinese church says it all the time. They say, you guys are praying for us. God help us. God help us. And a Chinese pastor said, we're praying for you. God send persecution to America so they get out of their comfort zone and start loving God again. It's amazing where we can get distracted. But keep reading that passage of Scripture. But godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. You know that saying, you brought nothing in, can't take anything out? Guess where that came from? 2,000 years ago, Paul said, you didn't come in here with anything. Once they wiped you down, cut the umbilical cord, that's all you had, baby. That was it. And guess what? You're going out the same way. The Bible says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Verse 9, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Look what can happen because you put money in the wrong place in your life. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, come on, somebody say some people, may not be everybody, but some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Do you know that people wander from the faith because of money? And I'm not just talking about people who don't want to give tithes and offerings. I'm talking about ultimately, this is how they view life. Life is about me. And then my family comes after that. But it's always my family, remember? So who's really the center of their life? It's not their family, it's them. And then it's their family, it's possessive to them. And then their job and all of the doodads of life. And what does church begin to do? Yes, God requires a tithe. God requires offering and support for the poor. I wish I had time to get into this, but we'll discuss it in our 201 class. And you can join that by going through the 101. We talk about the godly use of money. But listen, they set up this whole entire little world for them to live in. And guess what they are? They're right in the center of that world. And they are God of that world. And when they come to church, they begin to find out that by them living for God, they're going to have to make sacrifices. They're going to start coming to church more, not going to work as much. They're going to start sacrificing things that they have invested in. Well, I've been sending my child to baseball camp for the last 20 years, and I want them to become a professional baseball player. Why should they have to come to church? See? What's motivating them? Money? The, the, the fame? I wonder how many people would want to be baseball players if they got paid what teachers get paid. Hello? I wonder how many would want to be teachers if they got paid with construction. Uh, I wonder how many people would want to be football players and basketball players if they got paid what the military got paid. Or police officers. Come on. Think it, think it through, people. The love of money is all sorts of evil. People set their mind on it. And you see, what the treasure does is the treasure becomes an idol and deceives the person into believing that I'm okay. I have my house pay my bills. My kids got clothes on their back. I have a car. Takes me to and from a job. And it's secure. And I have retirement. And what do they tell themselves? I'm okay. But are they okay? No. They can only serve one master, God or money. And money's really themselves. So they're going to serve God or themselves. And the Bible says that some people, he's warning the church here, Paul is saying some people can get eager for money and wander from the faith. Money is a tool. Everybody say a tool. Have you ever fell in love with a hammer? Have you ever just looked at the hammer and go, I love you. You work so well. Taking you home with me. You ever fallen in love with the hammer? No. But why? 
do we fall in love with money? Why is there so much of today's attention on money? Do you know that people judge you by the money you have? People love to talk about money, don't they? What type of car you drive? What type of house you live in? What do you pay for rent, if you don't mind me asking? Come on. If you don't mind asking whatever, why'd you ask? You ever just tell somebody, no? I should just just try that one time. Pastor, don't mind me asking, but what do you pay for this place? I do mind you asking. Mind your own business. What do you think people would do after that? They would like get so hurt. They would get so hurt. But honestly, people judge us by money, by the clothes we wear. And this world tells us if you don't wear these clothes and if you don't do these things, you're not valuable. You see, but listen to me. Money is a tool, like a hammer. Somebody say a tool. You look at the hammer for what it does. Does a hammer come home and cook you dinner like a wife? No. Does a hammer make you laugh and giggle like your friends do when you're having a good time? No. It's just a hammer. What does it do? It's a piece of steel with a wood handle, and you hit it, puts a nail into wood, right? It has a purpose. Well, that's all money is. It's just a tool. You're not supposed to love it. You're not supposed to fall in love with it, so you can't let go of it. Oh, i got to hold on to this money. This is my money, baby. Ooh, I love this money. I can't let go of it. Don't ask me for it. It's like, God, one dollar, two dollars, you understand? And we're holding on to it. We can't give it to missions. We can't give it to mission trips. We can't give it to the poor. We can't put it away in savings and be wise about it because we get so in love with it and it's our money. See, the Bible says you can't love it like that. The Bible says where your treasure and heart, where your heart is is where your treasure is and where your treasure is is where your heart is. Always tell the example about David Livingston. Gave his whole life to the missionary movement in Africa. When he died, they took out his heart, the African people, and buried in Africa. And I always say to people, where is your heart? If you die today, would they bury it under the super mall, uh, the mall? You know, would they bury it under your video games, your baseball team? Where would they bury your heart? God is saying, let your heart be in heaven. Turn with me to 2 Timothy in closing. I was just teasing you. I want to just give you this message as the Lord put it in my heart. Thank you for your patience today and just hearing what God is doing. We're so excited about all the things that are happening. Looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, a mark of the end times is that people will love money. 2 Timothy chapter 3, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Do you know that the first attribute, that Paul says you and I can recognize you are in the end times and when, is when people just love themselves, just love themselves to death. Do you think we're in that time right now where teenage girls, 14 years old, love themselves so much they get nose jobs? Women getting plastic surgery done? Men going on extreme diets and weightlifting. You know, before, if you look at the 1950s, you know, in these movies, when these guys lifted weights, they were kind of almost like my size. They were a little bit bigger, and they would just put out their chest, and there they were in the 1950s. And that was a strong guy. Look at bodybuilders today. It's unnatural. Why? Because they love themselves. Women bodybuilders, all because of themselves, all the hair and makeup. You know, before it's just, you know, if you had your hair done nice and you wore a nice dress, ladies, now you looked okay. But now, according to the world, you've got to have a certain type of makeup, your eyelashes, your eyebrows. And God forbid if you have any type of facial hair, you know, it's like there's something wrong with you. And you have to be a certain skin tone and you have to have your hair and nails done all the time. And then you've got to have earrings in and piercings. And then you've got to wear, you know, the designer clothes and certain types of lotions. There's like from start to finish, there's like 50. 
50 different types of lotion treatments. This is the one I do when I'm in the shower. This is the one I do when I'm getting out the shower. This is the one I do when I'm doing my hair. This is the one I do before I put on my makeup. This is the one I put on after my makeup. This is the one I put up before I go out the house. And it's like all of this just to make a woman beautiful. But how many know if you love a woman, she's beautiful first thing in the morning with stanky breath, passing gas, and her hair messed up. You can say, that's my baby. That's the one I love. That one. Yes, me, honey. I love you. You're so great. Come on. That's when you know it's love. And no, don't let anybody tell you anything else. There's a story about a preacher. He married a beautiful woman, and he thought he had the best woman in the whole world. She was beautiful, and she could sing. And then he got on the honeymoon. She took off the wig, and he said, oh, no. She, she took off the eyelashes, and he said, Lord, help me. She took out the false teeth, the makeup, unscrewed the wooden leg. And then he looked at her and he just said, sing, baby, sing. Just sing for me. You see, looks can be deceiving and money is what they tell you is all you need and you can have those things. You know how it is. You watch these celebrity shows and all they have to do to get in shape is just, you know, all Oprah Winfrey had to do, it's so easy, is just get a chef there 24-7 a day, have her own dietitian, a physical fitness expert, and a gym in her house, and now she'll sell you the book and here's how you can do it. How many know that's just a lie? It's just a facade. And you see, it's all a facade, my friends. One day, just take a $20 bill and just put it in your hand. And the other hand, just put a dollar and ask yourself, what hand feels better? Come on, it really doesn't matter. It's all up here. It's all what this world has told us. I want to encourage you. Use your money as a tool for the things of God. Amen? Let's stand up together with a great scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, as the band comes. Here's what God tells you to do with money. Don't love it, but use it. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And by the way, there's not going to be a second offering, but if you want to, nobody's going to tell you not to. Just put it up here. Praise God if you've been withholding. But here's the promise. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. You see, there's that four-letter word that some people just don't like. Give. Because what does giving really do? It releases the power of the money in your heart. It releases it. Give, and it shall be given to you. Who in this place right now has a dirty penny? Don't be ashamed. I want somebody to find the dirtiest penny up in here. If you have a penny, let me know, because I want to use it as an illustration. But i got to find the dirtiest. One with got lit and some hair on it, been in the mud. Come on, somebody find one of those pennies. By the way, they have a website where you can track your dollar now and see where it goes all around the world. It's a neat thing that you're holding something that's been all around the world. Just somebody find a penny. The bottom of the purse, ladies. Come on, with the gum sticking on it. Let me see. Okay, this is, this is getting there. I want one that's a little bit dirtier than this. This is a little bit dirtier. Okay, this is the old one, too. Anyone got one of those dirty ones? Yeah, on the bottom of your car seat underneath there. Been sitting on it. Yeah, okay. Let me get somebody to help me uh, do this. Nelson, come on up here for me, please. Let's give it up for Nelson as he comes. Always looking good. Come on up here, my brother. 
Okay, so the Bible says give and it will be given to you. That's his dirty old penny. It's not too dirty, but that's just a penny. Now, this is what the Bible says. If you want, this can be your treasure. And just hold on to it nice and tight. This can be your treasure. And you could say, this is where my heart is, right here. And everything that I do is right here. How many know in comparison to God and all the things God has, no matter if you had a billion, zillion dollars, all of it would be just like a penny in God's eyes, right? Come on. If I put a million dollars in this hand and put that hand in the fire, how many know that million dollars wouldn't stop the pain in that hand? It's not worth going to hell over, people. These movie stars make it look so glamorous. And it wouldn't be tempting unless it was tempting. Okay? That's what temptation is. It's tempting. The devil's not an idiot. He's not going to tempt you with sewage. He's not going to say, do you want raw sewage? No, it's going to tempt you with beautiful, shiny things. I'm going to pull out a bad boy right out here. I'm going to pull out an American Express credit card. Unlimited resources. No, I'm kidding. But how many know there's probably a few more shekels on this than there is in that penny right there? Right? Now, this is what God says. Let's look at the rest of the Scripture. Give, and it shall be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, hold on to that penny nice and tight. Could I put that in his hand if he's holding on to something else? See, look, I can't, I can't put this in his hand. You see, and God is saying, you're holding on to the very thing that's holding you back. You're holding on to what's holding you back. And the principle is this. Open up your hand. Let go of what you have. And God will let go of what He has. And you see, God has one of these with unlimited resources. And He says, look at it like this. He says, the measure you use, you give half of what you have to God, He'll give you half of what He's got for you. See, that's what He said. The measure will be used. But if you give all that you have, and in heaven's mind, it ain't nothing but a dirty penny. Come on. He'll give you all that He has for you. Amen? Everybody look at your neighbor and say, don't love the dirty penny. God bless you, brother. Thank you. I just want to pray in closing today, and I want to challenge you. Don't love the dirty penny. Ask God to use you to be a giver. And let's enjoy giving it away. I remember there was a pastor once that said God blessed him with so much. And he just felt like he arrived. He said, man, I finally made it. I got a house. I got a car. I got a paycheck. And God said, I want you to give it all away to somebody else. And I want you to start traveling around the world preaching. And he did it. So hard, he said. You know, it was difficult at times. But then God said, after all these years of traveling, I want you to start a church. And within three years, he now has 20,000 members. Gateway Church, awesome church in Dallas, Texas. I always want to tell you about good people. He's actually on our website if you want to watch him. And now he's doing a $90 million building facility. 
And he just tells people, give and God will give back to you. Not everybody's going to be a millionaire, but whatever God says, I'll give back to you. He'll give back to you. It's just if you hold on to it, there's your treasure. And the sad story is, is that's all you have. And there's a story that a, that a man once told. He said that this couple had worked their whole life to retire and go to the beach to collect seashores, uh, seashells by the seashore. And here they are, 80 years old, worked their whole life, and now they can spend the next 10 years just living in a beautiful condo. And every morning they would get up, and they would just get, get out to the beach first and look at those seashells. And they just spent their whole retirement doing that. And when they die, God said, what do you have to show for your life? And all they had were those seashells. And then God said, look at this servant over here. He never had what you had. But he gave everything to impact lives. Look at the thousands he's changed. You see, in comparison to the difference you can make in people's lives, for what you can do with that money is the difference between seashells and living souls. What do you want to come to heaven with? Just your seashells? You want to say, oh yeah, I used to take my kids to the best vacation place. Really, is that going to mean something? Come on. Does it really mean something? Whether it's a Hyundai, a Chevy, or a Lexus. Really? Your soul? That's what it counts? Come on. Remind yourself that this week. Amen? And when we talk about tithes and offerings, and we talk about giving things to people, don't do it begrudgingly. Think of this as a treasure you're giving away. And I promise you this, not me, but the Bible, and I promise it on the authority of the Scripture, that when you and I get to heaven, God is going to show us where everything we did, from every penny we gave to every person we helped, how it blessed them for eternity. Just one example in closing. My parents see a station wagon. They say, Joe and Nancy could sure use that because that van doesn't have air conditioning and so they could use this. So my parents purchase a station wagon. And then they say, we just want to give it to you. Then they give me that station wagon and then I hear the team telling me that they're about 100 to $200 short of renting a minivan for about eight, $900. They only have about 700 of it. And the Lord then puts it in my heart, give them the station wagon, and then they'll have extra money. You see? So then I give them the station wagon, and then now there's extra money, and then they go down to New Orleans, and they're giving it away. And then we sit down at a restaurant as they're taking me out with the extra money, and then David says, I have the military discount. We'll get 10 more percent taken off. And you see, it's everybody just pitching in, giving all they have. Man, this is all I have. Man, I, I don't have a, four, a 15 passenger van. I don't have a coach butts for our church yet. I saw a good one down there, but the Baptists down there on the south side, they got a nice coach a bus. I'm like, Lord, bring it. But you know what I had? I had a station went and gave it. These guys didn't have a whole lot, but they gave it. And then they gave it to the, you know, the inner city church. And now Brother Anthony, guess what he's doing? He's giving it away. Don't be the one that stops the giving. Somebody gives it to you and you're like, great, it's mine. No, don't start the giving train. Don't stop it. Keep it going. God gives it to you. Give it to somebody else. Give it to the next person. Give it to the next person. When we give to India, he gives to the pastors. The pastors give to their people. Their people give to their community. It's like four or five people going on down a lifestyle of giving. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord for his blessings. God, we thank you for your blessings. 
We choose not to love money today. We bless you, Lord.